message from Trinity Grace Church in San Antonio, Texas. For more information, please visit trinitygracesa.org. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Um, For those who haven't met, my name's Lee. Um, You probably saw my three kids scamper on. My wife, Sarah, is away uh, this week doing a... uh, a baby shower for her sister in Arizona. So she isn't here, but um, she sends her greetings as well. And I just want to say thank you for your love and support for my family um, as a campus minister whose call is to the college campus. Um, and also, uh, I preach around at a lot of different churches. Sometimes um, I don't know where what it's going to be like for my kids on Sunday morning. So it's really great to know that this is their church home and their family. And so Thank you all for being a family uh, to them. And I also want to thank you for your generous support as a church for us and many uh, individuals who help out uh, supporting financially uh, RUF at UTSA. So we literally couldn't do it without you and uh, really honor your, uh, your desire to help us out, but also uh, your prayers in reaching the college campus uh, just a mile away from here. So uh, I just made some new cards. They look like this, and you can find them on the uh, table outside. So over by the ESV Bible, unless it was taken away, um, is where you can find those. So pick one up, and you can uh, pray for us. It has a lot of pictures of what's been happening this year. So uh, let me pray for us before we jump in and uh, pray that the Lord would provide us clarity and um, his gospel today. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that uh, it would bring us uh, clarity on how you are at work in our lives, in our hearts. We thank you for being a good judge who looks at um, what we are dealing with and have dealt with um, and are fair and compassionate. I pray that your words would speak uh, and that uh, even in this reading, that it would go forth in power. And we thank you for how you're at work in our lives even today. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's turn to Psalm chapter 7. It's printed in the bulletin. Um, so you can follow along there, or you can uh, follow along in your Bible or your device as well. So Psalm chapter 7 is a Shigion of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words, of Cush, a Benjaminite. O Lord, my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. Lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it to pieces with none to deliver. O Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. And let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Selah. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake from me. You have appointed a judgment. Let the assemblies of the people, peoples be gathered about you. Over it, return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, and may you establish the righteous, you who test the minds and hearts, O oh, righteous God. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in hearts. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. 
If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and on his own skull his violence descends. I will give thanks to the Lord, the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, as we um, come into this passage, I want you to be uh, thinking of the same, kind of a similar mindset that I've been thinking of, which is uh, what pain is and what we do with it. What is pain and what do we do with it? It's probably not something you wanted to deal with on Sunday morning, so sorry about that. Uh, but I um, got into it really heavily this, this year as I watched the Hulu show Dope Sick, uh, which talks about the narcotics crisis and how it was perpetuated through drug companies because there were people who had dealt with chronic pain over the course of their lives, and there were doctors who wanted to try to fix it and were, were constantly looking for a way to help the people who had this chronic pain, and unfortunately got them addicted to these really heavy narcotics, uh, which has, has perpetuated into a problem that we still have today, right? Then um, I spent time playing on this very basketball court, uh, playing some basketball, with some men in this congregation, as well as some college students. And I actually experienced pain because I'm 38 years old and I'm pretty out of shape. So I got to experience the pain of physically having to, thinking that I was 21 years old and knowing that I'm not. Uh, at least the next day I knew I wasn't because I could barely get out of bed the next day. Then... Um, I sit with students and have an opportunity to sit in their pain, much of it emotional pain, but also spiritual abuse that they have faced, uh, or even the ways that things like inflation have caused them pain and have just made their life more difficult. And I honestly have a lot of comfort in these days in dealing with the pain that I've expressed here, but also other pains that you guys are dealing with in hearing and remembering the words of, of Solomon, who was David's son, David is the one that wrote the psalm, in saying that there is nothing new under the sun and remembering that there are people who have dealt with these kinds of pains for the, as long as the world has existed, as long as there has been pain, as long as there has been sin in this world, there has been pain of this sort. And so pain in this context that we're going to be looking at in Psalm 7 deals with the emotional and even the personal pain of loss. David is singing here, and we, and we caught it in the, the introduction, this first part of this psalm, about a fractured relationship with a man named Cush, who's a Benjaminite. And if you know anything about Benjaminites, this is the people who Saul, the previous king, was from. This was his tribe. And many of the people that were Benjaminites did not like David at all. 
even though he was the king, even though he was powerful, even though he was the person who, who people had looked upon as the one to save and, and to kind of recapture the heart of Israel, there were many people who did not like him. And so what David does here is something that we rarely do. He doesn't turn to Facebook and complain about it. He doesn't go to a kickboxing class. He doesn't watch Netflix all day and try to forget about it. No, David actually goes with his anger and frustration and ultimately his pain to God and to God alone because he knows that God can handle it. Even though his pain isn't easy, it's not simple. So David is providing us an example for how to deal with the pain in our lives, particularly, and I I think this is where it could really hit home for us, fractured relationships where we, we see the complexity in them and know that there's pain associated with them. And so what do we do here? The, there's three things that I want us to talk about that we need to voice our pain, that we need to plead to the judge, and that ultimately we need to trust in God. So how does David voice his pain? I want you to see the beauty and wonder that is here, particularly in verses two through five, where David is recognizing that, that, that this, that, that this uh, pressure of, um, <clears throat> of those who want to pursue him, particularly this man Cush, are vicious and could take him apart. It says in verse two, lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it to pieces with none to deliver. He is crying out for help, asking God to deliver him. But then here's what's interesting. In verse three, he actually recognizes that he could be inflicting pain on others. Oh Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it and let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory to the dust. Ultimately, what what David is saying is, Lord, if this kind of evil and viciousness is in me, take me out. David is declaring his own actions and recognizing that the same consequences should be given to him. That if if he is inflicting pain in this way, he should be uh, dealt with the same consequences that he is crying out to the Lord for. And again, voicing pain is something that we see all over social media, anytime that there is a big event, anytime that there is something that is ultimately very painful, it's often something that is all over social media. But I want you guys to understand that social media is only a veneer of what is really happening in someone's heart. And I I love how songs like the Psalms, the Psalms are songs that were sung in the congregation, can actually give us space and the poetic ability to cry out in ways that a simple statement, something that that can simply be done on social media, do not allow us to. In Taylor Swift's album, Reputation, I realized as I was writing this that I quoted Taylor Swift last time that I came and preached to you guys. So I do listen to something other than Taylor Swift. I want you to know that. But in her album, Reputation, she gets off her chest a lot of the difficulties in her own life. She had realized that, that things were hard and were difficult. And, and in many of the songs, she is, she, she is really calling out 
a lot of the people in, in her life that have done her wrong. Um, but then it, in one song, she's actually toasting to the people who have just been beside her. She says, here's a toast to my real friends. They don't care about the he said, she said. Here's to my baby. He ain't reading what they call me lately. And here's to my mama. She's had to listen to all this drama. And here's to you because forgiveness is a nice thing to do. And then she goes, ha, well, I can't even say that with a straight face. And this is from the song, This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. She does this so well in this, uh, pas- in this song. And this passage even gives us uh, understanding of this, that there is pain that in the moment she can't even ask for forgiveness of. And I want you, as you read this, you might even notice that David doesn't ask for forgiveness or to forgive the man. He, he just needs to get off his chest the fact that this is painful and that this is hard, that this relationship with Cush is very difficult. In very few places in the Psalms do we actually hear the, the man of God who is bringing their request, is bringing the song, actually ask for forgiveness. More so, they are going to a God who they know can deal with a painful and a difficult and really complex issue. The challenge in voicing Psalms, though, is that it can ultimately, in, in voicing your pain, even in songs, much and even so more so in statements, is that it can make you estranged to people. It does this by making you angry, even more angry, uh, as as a way to get it off your chest. It allows us to to gossip about what is going on to make you feel uneasy. But then there's many of us who will just keep it inside of us who just keep the pain inside of us and that pain will fester and will will get even worse and worse over time. And honestly, many of us feel really uneasy about what David is expressing here. Eugene Peterson says that our modern world struggles to deal with with, with actually expressing this anger, these negative emotions, uh, even in songs because we struggle to, to put down the politely constructed facades and veneers in order to let go and let people understand the angry and negative emotions that we feel. And maybe some of us want to get back to the good old days where, like back in ancient Israel, we can just call out our pain and our people's stuff, but that won't work at this time either. We're in a time and a space where those things are not really allowable. Um, And so what we really need to do is we need to have a way to handle our own pain. In some ways, this comes uh, to us because we, we, we need to know our good God. We need to know that he is not afraid of what we have to express to him, that he wants us to voice our pain to him. We actually, he actually wants us to run to him in our pain and not simply to, to be on the sidelines and to wait until we feel good enough to come to him. 
So this is really the first part of this passage is expressing, is giving our pain to the Lord. I want you to notice at the end of verse five, we hear hear this word Selah. And I paused a little bit. I paused maybe two seconds just to give you a sense of what's happening there. But what, what, what is really happening in the congregation of God's people is that they, the musicians are putting their, their um, instruments down. The people are stopping and they are contemplating what is being said. So this is the reason why I tried to spend so much time this morning talking about pain because there is something that is reflective that God's people are doing here, that they are hearing what the lyricist has just said, that they are understanding it. And, and in some small way, David is saying, this is really important. It's really important to actually voice your pain. And so the second thing that we're going to talk about is pleading to the judge. And David is giving us a bold command here. He comes to God with this command, arise, O Lord, in your anger. Get up and be angry about this with me. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake from me, for you have appointed a judgment. Now, I want you to maybe reframe in your mind what a a judge is. We might think of someone who wears a black robe, who sits on a court, who who is very distant from the people. What a judge truly is, is someone who knows right and wrong, who is the arbiter of it, but also is in, in, in the purest, in the most beautiful form. A judge is the one who actually experiences right and wrong in the best way possible. He understands that there is bad in the world and that it needs to be punished, that there is good that is, that is present and that it needs to be honored. And so in in the 11 verses that are talking about this judgment from verse 6 to verse 16, we are going to see David really wrestling with this idea of good and evil, of, of um, righteousness and unrighteousness. This is why I had uh, us read from, from Ecclesiastes, because there is much about the fool and about the person who is following God uh, in that passage. And then verse seven is really kind of sneaky here. It sneaks in uh, in this psalm. He says, let the assembly of the people be gathered about you. Over it, return on high. And many people who comment about this says that, that David is giving us this context for those who are gathered together as we are in an assembly, gathering under this one judge and looking to him alone for what is right and for what is good and for what is honorable. And I love that because that is what we do as the church is that we call upon the name of the Lord. We look to him for all things. But honestly, that is not what the outside world views the church as. The outside world views the church as individuals who are here, who think that they know better than everyone else who are judgmental, who, who will wag their fingers at someone because they do wrong, because they are a different way. And so our goal as the church is not simply to, to be the, the wagging finger people, to be the judgmental people. And, and I've mentioned this before whenever I've preached, our goal as the church, as people who, who love God, is to point to him 
with our, with our fingers. We don't wag, we actually point to who is the king, who is the judge, and for them to understand the goodness that is found in the judgment that, that, is, <clears throat> that, that is to happen through Christ. Our goal is to actually fall in love with our God as broken people and not simply to call out the wrong, to, to actually internally call out our wrong first, to recognize that there are times where we will feel overtaken, but to trust in the Lord for everything that we have. And this by no means means that sin does not matter. And we hear it plain and clear in verses 12 through 16. David is singing this. He says, if a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. So not only does he have evil within him, but he actually perpetuates it and it goes out more and more. So we cannot make peace with evil being in the, in the world is what he is essentially saying. He makes a pit, digging it out and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head and his own skull, his violence descends. We don't have time to go through all of this, but essentially what, what David is singing here and what we ought to know is that sin gets worse and worse and worse and worse over time. And not only does it, does it perpetuate, but it actually kills the person. It, it internally kills this man to, to let him know that he is digging his own grave, essentially, that he is filling this hole, that he is falling into it, and, and that he is killing himself. So how then do we as God's people, again, help them see, help someone see that they need our Lord and Savior? They need to understand grace in some huge ways. And by understanding the grace that is found in our good judge, they might, they, they, they might turn from their sin. They might repent and come truly to God. That is some great news, friends. That is great news. But again, the judges that we see in our world, in our lives, are people who um, appear very distant. Um, some, of the, some of the better examples of judges are TV judges, to be honest. I, I know that sounds a little bit silly, but places like the People's Courts and Judge Judy, who are a little bit dramatic and outlandish, but honestly, they seem to actually care about the people that are, um, that are in their midst. Um, and so, but, but the best judge that I have personally seen, and maybe some of you guys that are on social media or who watch YouTube have seen this, is a guy named Judge Caprio. He's in Providence, Rhode Island, and he's in the twilight of his career. He's 85 years old and has clearly been through a lot. He actually is a, is a veteran as well. And one thing you notice in these videos is that he has a willingness to actually hear from the defendants, from the people who have done wrong. And sometimes it's really comical. I don't know if you guys have seen the one where a, a, a man ran a traffic light and his son was there. And, and he said, oh yeah, he did that. And, and daddy did it two or three more times on the same lights. 
uh, calling out the, uh, the, you know, the um, offenses that this man has done. Um, but what, what is so beautiful is that he, is that Judge Caprio desires to actually hear from the person's pain, but also his desire to change. He wants to understand that this man will change. And often, what's so cool is that Judge Caprio will even give lower sentences or gracious payments to help this man or woman get out of, of the, the issue that they're involved with. He will punish, and this is so important, he punishes the person, but he doesn't do so in order to hurt them and, or, or to push them down even worse than they were before. And so we need a good judge. We need actually a better judge than Judge Caprio. We need someone who, who we are allowed to be safe with, to be honest with, to confess our struggles and our pain with, admit our wrongs, and face a fair punishment. We rehearse this, we do this every single Sunday at Trinity Grace. We confess our sins. We do so together, and we have an opportunity to do so as God's people personally. And I would encourage you to to continue to do that, to do it daily, to recognize and to reflect on the things that, that you have done wrong and to confess those sins to a God who is your judge, but who loves you deeply and who longs to give you grace and grace upon grace. The book of this Psalm gives us so much hope, friends. It gives us so much hope. So we're gonna read from verses one and verse 17. And I hope it helps to kind of put this together. O Lord, my God, in you do I take refuge. Save, you, save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. And then verse 17 says this, I will give to the Lord the, due, the, the thanks due to his righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the most high. God desires for us to to find safety in him, to find pleasure in him, to know that as, as the great Psalm says, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Everything around us that is not Christ is sinking sand. All other song, all other idea of what we can construct for um, for a judge or for confessing our sins or our pain or our hurt is, is sinking sand in comparison to our Lord and Savior. And this hits home even harder for us as Christians because we know that Jesus is the one who we are, who, 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 um, it, who we take refuge in, who saves us, as verse one says, from all of our pursuers and who delivers us from sin, from the world, but also from ourselves, who helps put us back together so that our inner lives, even if they are messes, we can, we can trust in God and find refuge of, of the challenges in our inner lives that, are, that can be found in God alone. We don't need to run to a dopamine high or to the attitudes of right or wrong on a policy or in philosophy. 
But friends, we have the steady rock of God in Christ alone that we can stand on. And as you struggle this week, as you consider placing your trust in other things, um, as you consider voicing your pain out in other ventures, as you consider looking looking to judges who you think can give you hope, consider placing your trust in the solid rock of Jesus Christ alone. As you feel the pain of attacks, even even if you're like me, where you do have things like anxiety that just wreck you at times, that that give you so much confusion and so, so many challenges, consider the work of Jesus and consider him as the one who you can call on and put your hope and your trust in. He is the one who gives you peace and hope. I challenge you, friends, this week to run to Jesus. He is good. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for um, this day. We thank you for the time you've given us um, to see that you are a God who we can call out to, who we can run to, who we um, can cherish with our hearts. I pray that, um, that you would encourage us now as we go to your table, um, as we feast on you. Um, we thank you for being the God who we needed and um, who went ahead of us in all things. And so we pray, Father, that uh, you would be with us in our pain even now. Um, we thank you in all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.